This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This is a fascinating time for a bad football team. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80 and on your smart speaker. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Joseph, welcome to a football Friday. What's up, brother? Let's have a day. Let's have a day. I'm in the studio like normal at home, calm, got the kids off to school. Where are you today? Is it Madison, Wisconsin getting set for Rutgers? I am at ESPN Madison. Everybody here has done an amazing job, been incredibly friendly and gotten us set up here. And I am fired up for this show. They have done. It is absolutely fantastic studios at ESPN Madison and really appreciate all of their hospitality. And we have got a show today that we need you to be a part of on the car versus Joe Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper the one fans deserve. Well, I don't know that we expected that. Justin Fields right out of the gate, lighten it up. But more than the interest of the game itself and what Fields did for the second consecutive game is what lies ahead here for the Chicago Bears in the coming weeks. There has been an awful lot of talk and very much on this show about the Bears trading Justin Fields and focusing on positioning themselves for the number one overall pick. That part of this has not changed, Joseph. But I wonder, have we jumped the gun on definitively saying that the Bears need to move on from Justin Fields? Without a shadow of a doubt, we have. Without a shadow of a doubt. And any calls for trading Justin Fields today because of what happened last night and a potential buy high or sell high situation for the Bears? No, absolutely not. Proper evaluation. We talked about this with Chicago. We've talked about it with other teams who are not properly evaluating themselves. They spend a lot of time evaluating talent on the outside, but they don't evaluate themselves. What you are seeing right now is progress. People might not want to believe it, but you're seeing progress, and there's a reason why. The Bears did what every team with a young quarterback should at some point do. They put a big-time weapon around him. That was D.J. Moore, who last night caught eight passes for 230 yards and three touchdowns. There are parallels here. It's not to say that they're the same guy because they are not. But there are parallels here with what the Bears are going through with Fields and what the Bills went through with Josh Allen. And that's why you don't trade Justin Fields right now. You have to see out the evaluation process. Josh Allen, as a rookie, had a quarterback rating of 67.9. It was the worst of his career. In year two, he had a quarterback rating of 85.3. It was the second worst of his career. The Bills went out in the offseason. They traded for Stephon Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings. Year three, 2020, Josh Allen puts up a quarterback rating of 107.2. It's the best of his career. He continues to develop. He continues to get coached. He gets weapons around him. Look at what's happening in Chicago. Justin Fields, in year three right now, like Allen was, has DJ Moore as a legitimate weapon. He currently has the best quarterback rating of his career in the three seasons he's played. But more importantly, his last two quarterback ratings against Washington, 125.3, and against Denver, 132.7. Those individual game quarterback ratings are the two best ratings of his 32 career appearances, Carlin. 
32 career appearances. His two best games have been the last two games, and it's because DJ Moore is getting involved. You owe it to yourselves to see this out this season to see what a legitimate number one weapon can do for your potential franchise quarterback. Look, all of that is accurate. And Thank you. A, let's get lunch. Boom. Let's let's wrap it up. <laughs> I got cheese curds out here waiting, big boy. I can tell you that right now. And they are on the docket for the afternoon. Yes. Listen, here's the thing. Justin Fields is good. And people haven't wanted to see that through the first couple of weeks of the year. They saw what they saw last year. Well, this guy's throws are not nearly as accurate as he needs to be. And they'll even point to games like last night and say, well, he was only 15 of 29, barely over 50%. The dude is good. And when you give him a playmaker, it makes him better. He has been relegated over the last couple of years to doing things on his own. That's why he was running the football as much as he was. He's explosive. It's still a big part of his uh, arsenal, so to speak. I love everything that he does. And I, I do think that when we were talking about the Bears moving on from him, it was because he wasn't their guy. It wasn't because he couldn't play. Because remember yesterday, we had this discussion. If you're a team that doesn't have a great solution at quarterback, and the Bears are looking to move fields in the next few weeks, and you're not going to be at the top of the draft to draft somebody, why wouldn't you make this move at a relatively inexpensive cost? Now, I wouldn't necessarily make my decision right now if I'm the Bears as to what I want to do. If Ryan Poles decides that he likes what Caleb Williams has to offer a lot more than fields, then you have a decision here in the coming weeks. Not all of us feel this way, including our buddy Chris Canty, who joined us yesterday, as we heard this morning, on Unsportsmanlike. They should trade him. Justin Fields' value across the league won't be higher than what it is right now. And if you've already made the decision that this guy, based on what's available in the draft this upcoming year and based on what you've seen over the last two and a half years, if you've made the decision that you might want to think about potentially move on from Justin Fields, if that even is something that you're continuing to entertain after you passed on all the quarterbacks in the 2023 draft class, then you have to absolutely make that decision now. You can't jeopardize him getting hurt and not getting the return on the investment. I'm not doing it this second. I'm waiting the next couple of weeks. I'm going to let this play out a little bit more until we get to the deadline, Joe. And I get it. He could get hurt. Anybody can get hurt at any point. What I want to see, if I'm the Bears, is truly do I see more than enough? Do I have to be blown away Considering I'm going to be in position to have the number one overall pick, do I have to be blown away in the next few weeks to make that decision that I'm hanging on to him? So I'm giving myself a little bit more time, even though he's thrown four touchdowns two weeks in a row. Give yourself, give yourself the rest of the season because it's not as oh. if you have to trade him by the deadline and then you never get another opportunity. You can move him in the offseason. There will be teams looking for quarterbacks in the offseason like there are every year. Look at the upcoming schedule for the Bears. First off, when we talk about proper evaluations, let's put it in the context. You just had big performances against Denver and Washington. Those two teams ranked dead last in the NFL in scoring defense. So we need to put it into perspective. On top of that, no team in the NFL has given up more passing plays of 25 or more yards than Washington. So you should have beaten up on them last night like you did. 
But now you got 10 days to get ready for Minnesota. Then mm. you got the Raiders. Then the Chargers, who stink defensively. Then the Saints. That game's winnable. Then you got Carolina. The next five are nothing. Nothing. There's uh. no. Th- this trade deadline that's coming up in three to four weeks, forget about it. You're not even engaging in it unless someone blows your door off with a bunch of first round picks for the kid. Play out the season with DJ Moore. Play out this schedule. You can evaluate this again in the offseason. See, this is where I will play into Canty's argument a little bit. I'm not oh, here we to, go. Old friends but, coming back together again. Well, no, here's the thing. Uh, the next couple of weeks before the deadline, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm going to give him the entire season to get hurt. I'm going to give DJ more the entire season to get hurt, thus bringing Fields' numbers down and lowering what his value could be. If he just plays well the next couple of weeks, the value is going to be excellent. And if I'm another team, and that's where the Bears are headed, even though they're not winning games. I'm absolutely knocking on that door because I'd like to get him in my system as soon as I can and trying to figure out exactly what we're going to be doing in the future. And I don't have to pay him after this year. I don't have to. I can pay him after next year. I can pick up the fifth-year option. I got all kinds of things that I can do right away. His value will be greater in the next three to four weeks definitively than it will be in the offseason. Uh, how I'm, is that definitive? How is it definitive that his, his value will be better in the next couple weeks than it will be Because you're giving teams an, a chance to get him in their building sooner rather than later. You are giving them a head start on next year with a franchise quarterback. That's what you're doing. Teams will pay a premium for that. I'm not talking about the Jets when I'm talking about this and we're trying to save the season. I'm talking about a team like the Atlanta Falcons who will have their guy right there and they can hit the ground running in 2024. Supply versus demand, though. How many teams would be interested in a possible trade for Justin Fields in the next few weeks versus the offseason? The next few weeks, I can't imagine there will be many teams that are in that market right now. I think there's probably going to be two or three that it, that are going to be looking at it. I mean, listen, we two or start, three in the off we, season, you could have New Orleans, Atlanta, Tampa Bay, New England. New England's a perfect example. But do you, I don't right, think New England think throws in the towel on Mac Jones now, but they could after the season. But if Bill Belichick has a chance to get him now, why wouldn't he do that? I think New England is one of those teams that could be in the discussion. I think New Orleans very much could be in the discussion. Yeah, they've got Derek Carr, but if they move on from him after this year, they are they may already know we're moving on from him. Why wouldn't See, you want him the in thing. there sooner? I don't think you're not bringing in Carr and then throwing in the towel with him being dinged up four or five weeks in. But in the offseason, you're going to be in a situation where you might move on from Dennis Allen. You might realize the new guy doesn't want Carr. That could bring Fields into play. Stafford could retire in L.A. That could bring the Rams into play. I just think you're going to have more options, thus a higher price tag in the offseason if you want to move the guy than if you would in the next three weeks. All right, listen, it's a compelling Just one argument. man's thought. It's a compelling argument. For, it's a compelling argument for one man's thought. It's too bad it's wrong. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN <laughs> Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Week five in the NFL is already underway. By the way, it was a complete disaster last night on the airplane trying to get that game. I mean, I couldn't even oh, get really? up to the Wi-Fi. Airplane Wi-Fi is the biggest ripoff on the planet. Eight bucks mm. to not work. That, hmm. that 
That's a gold mine. All eyes turn to Sunday night, Joe. <laughs> With a battle on the bay. I'm going to tell you why the only way the Cowboys can beat the 49ers is by using Dak a little bit more. And Joe will once again be wrong. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. (laughs) This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. What Dak has to transition to is being an asset and what under no circumstances can happen is that he is the reason why they lose. I'm just going to bring it all the way back to Dak Prescott. Dak is going to need to play his A game. He's going to need to play his best performance against the San Francisco 49ers in order for the Dallas Cowboys to win this game. I've been tapping into my mode all week. I feel great. I'm ready to kind of get after it now. One of the biggest stages, you know, Cowboys 49ers and nothing better. Dak Prescott has got to be a big part of the reason why the Cowboys win if they do win on Sunday night. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. They have, with Mike McCarthy calling the plays, become a team that is going to run the football as much as they possibly can. That's what he wants to do, Joe. And I understand it completely, and it's worked out. They haven't really played anybody but they are fourth in scoring, while at the same time, Dak Prescott is 31st in yards per attempt so far this year. Now, that just speaks to the fact either that they don't trust him enough to go out there and try to win, or they feel like their best opportunity to win games is to play keep away. If they're trying to play keep away against the 49ers on Sunday night, they're going to lose by three touchdowns. Oh, is that so? That's right. So you and I are just going to butt heads a lot today. I think that's, that's the direction we're I've been we're telling you all week they were going to lose by three touchdowns on Sunday night. All right. I can see it. And the big man has committed to that. I tried to get you the alternate line of minus 16 and a half. Not, not good, good enough. enough for you. It not was good not enough. good enough. You needed nope. 20 and a half before you were ready to dip your toes into the hot tub. So I appreciate that. I think that's exactly how you go about trying to beat this Niners team is to control the ball, is to run the clock, is to slow the game down and keep the Niner defense on the field. We normally talk about 
keeping Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. What you want is the Niner defense on the field. Not because you're afraid of Brock Purdy, but you want to get San Francisco off its game. What San Francisco does under Kyle Shanahan is very simple. They are going to run the ball. They are going to dictate tempo. They are going to control the clock. The last five years since Shanahan's team, the first two years I throw out, those weren't contenders. But the last five years has been his Super Bowl window. He has ranked, in terms of time of possession, 6th, tied for 3rd, 17th, 6th, and 5th. Top 6 in 4 of the 5 years. The 17th, that was the year Garoppolo got hurt. Everything went to you-know-what. It was a bad season for them. But the four seasons where they contended, and I believe three of these at least, three of them they were in the NFC Championship game, and one of them is this season. They're top six in times of time of possession. That's how they beat you up. They run the ball, they control the clock, and then late in the game, your defense is out of gas, and they're going to be able to kill the game off. That's what they do best. Okay, The team that gave them the biggest fight this year was the L.A. Rams. Why? They held the ball for 33 minutes in that game. Nick Bosa gets tired at the end of the game. Fred Warner gets tired at the end of the game. The defense has been out there long. They're not as effective as they have been, and you have an opportunity to score late and win the game. So if you're McCarthy and you're Dallas, you're not trying to win a 45-40 shootout here. That would be foolishness. That would be putting Prescott in a position where you've seen him fail time and time again. You want to win this game, keep the Niner defense on the field, grind the clock down, and put yourself in a position to make one more play than them in the fourth quarter so you can win the game. But you're you're operating under... assumption here that somehow because that's the game plan of trying to run the football that you're going to have success against an excellent 49ers defense therein lies the rub my friend that's the problem and that's why this is not a 45 40 shootout type of game that's not what i'm advocating what i'm saying is that Dak has to be able to make some plays in this game. You can't take the ball out of his hands completely when you are going up against a team of this caliber. If you're going to step into the batter's box, take some big swings. And that doesn't mean that he's going to throw the football 50 times Sunday night. I agree. That's not how you beat the 49ers. But you also don't beat them by finding yourself in third and seven and third and six because you're picking up two yards yards a clip running the football that's See, now what's that's, gonna that's happen. the mistake you've made you're assuming even though i didn't say that they should run the ball all game you're assuming that's what i'm getting at you just no said one shorten ever, the game shorten the game with short to intermediate passes and runs it's complimentary you don't need prescott throwing the ball 30 yards down the field no one's gonna run the ball every down against this defense so you're gonna that do would be nothing ludicrous. to put the 49ers on their heels at all nothing No, you're just going to try to pick up three yards here, four yards there, six yards there. You're not going for the kill. You're not trying to stretch the defense. You're trying to balance the run and the pass, and you put Prescott in a situation where you don't ask him to do too much. You ask him to do too much throwing the ball down the field all day, he's going to get picked off. But, Joe, it's not going for the kill. It's making them respect it. It's making a play or two downfield, so it's actually in their mind. So maybe you bust off a run. That ends up being more like eight and nine yards as opposed to two or three yards. If they know that you are going to just line up and try to not give you the football, they are going to load up and just destroy you in the backfield. This is this is an excellent defense. I don't feel like you're giving it enough credit. And at the same time, if you're Dak and you're matched up against Brock Purdy, like you better not let Brock Purdy beat you. 
I mean, you're Dak Prescott. You've been around in the league for seven years now. You got a big time contract, and Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. Here's Damian Woody, ESPN NFL analyst, a little while ago on Greeny on this very topic. Going up against a rookie in Brock Purdy, who outplayed him in that game in the, in the playoffs. So again, we can talk about the physicality. We can talk about the Dallas defense being able to tackle the 49ers, you know, who are infamous as far as run after catch. But again, I'm just going to bring it all the way back to Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is going to need to play his A game. He's going to need to play his best performance against the San Francisco 49ers team in order for the Dallas Cowboys to win this game. And A game does not mean thrown for 400 yards and four touchdowns. A game to me means 265 yards and two touchdowns. You know what A game is? A game is Troy Aikman at his best. That's what A game is here. Troy Aikman didn't put up eye popping numbers, but he put up winning numbers. So I'm looking at this game where Purdy outperformed Prescott in the playoffs last year. Uh, He completed 65% of his passes for 214 yards with no touchdowns and no interceptions. Oh, by the way, San Francisco had the ball for 33 minutes in that game. Dallas had it for 27. I'm not saying run the ball every down. You're not hearing me. I'm not saying don't throw the ball deep. You're not hearing me. I'm saying you need to bleed this clock. You need to mix in the play action. You need to keep the Niner offense on the sideline so your defense stays rested for the fourth quarter. Because the problem Dallas has is they're not able to close. Put yourself in a position to close. The Niner defense closed out that game against Dallas last year because they were only asked to be on the field for 27 minutes. Dallas's defense couldn't close the game out because they were on the field for 33 minutes. You got to put yourself in a position to win in the margins. That's what this game is. This isn't going to be Texas, Oklahoma. This isn't going to be some shootout, the likes of which we saw with Buffalo and Miami. This is going to be a game where you have two very good defenses, a great offensive line in Dallas, two capable quarterbacks. I'll use the word capable. You have to win the margins. And if you're McCarthy, you want to shorten this game by running down that clock, keeping the Niner offense on the sideline, run here, dink and dunk there, doesn't work, punt and turn it over to your defense. But if the Niners are on the field for 34 minutes in this game, that means they're dictating tempo. That means their running game's going. That means they're going to win. That's how you change this up on them. You play their style of football. I'm looking for one thing for us to agree upon today. None. There will be nothing. And I know when Pick'em comes, we're on the opposite end of all three games today. Okay, but I would say this. If you'll look at the screen right now and the tease that Evan has written, I I think that we could agree that it's something that I just shouldn't read. (laughs) I mean, this is what the man wrote. It was fields of gold for the Bears last night. So should they cash in while the value's high? First of all, like fields of gold, we're going to like emo sting in the early 90s. Like, what are we doing? I I like it. Evan, jump on in. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. History goes bye-bye. 40 to 20, the Bears take care of the Washington Commanders. It's the fruits of the labor. You know, it's guys sticking together, guys working hard during practice, you know, and now they see results from it. 
Joe Fortenbaugh was right. It was exactly like that game last year where the Bears just went in and blew the doors off of New England. Yeah. And that's that's pretty much what happened last night. Carla versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you could save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. Guy who knows the Bears inside and out is Jim Miller, their former quarterback, Sirius XM, NFL Radio. He joins us right now. Jim, it's Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh on ESPN Radio. We appreciate it. And from the quarterback perspective, as you watch the last two games, what has changed for Justin Fields? Well, I just think you do see that he's uh, a lot more comfortable. The ball's getting out of his hand. Uh, I think he's quick to his checkdowns, but he's more decisive uh, in his decision-making. And, you know, probably last week against Denver, that was the most perfect he had ever played, you know, that first half. He was 16-17, only through uh, the one incompletion was just a throwaway. But it's because he was dropping back, decisive processing information, and getting the ball out of that out of his hand. And last night he did that as well. That was a, a great first half, and there could have been even more uh, offense. You know, I thought he was a little late on a throw to Darnell Mooney. Uh, that could have been a, a, a touchdown earlier in the game. But I think uh, he's just a lot more comfortable, and I think you see it. He's dropping back, pitching, and throwing when he was holding onto the ball way too long earlier this season. So he's really come come along fast these last two weeks. Jim, you know the game as well as anyone. You also know all the conversations that are out there regarding Fields and the Bears. So we were curious to get your opinion. You know, what do you think the organization is planning for him? Is it possible that they realize with two potentially high draft picks, they go with another quarterback next next year in the draft, and they trade Fields before the deadline? Do they move on from him in the offseason? Do they play out the evaluation process? What do you think is going to happen here? Yeah, I think that evaluation process is happening right now. You know, last year was basically a teardown. You know, they traded away Smith, pass rusher. They basically stripped the team down. They played a lot of rookies last year that logged more snaps than any team in the NFL. And now this is year two of the, or, or the first year of the rebuild, I, I should say. And even then, they, they're playing a ton of young guys. Darnell Wright, two rookie corners. Are out there. They're down to their basically their third nickel right now with with Greg Stroman. So this is year one of the of the rebuild, so to speak. And that evaluation process needs to happen now because at the end of the year, they need to know the Chicago Bears. I mean, need to know about Justin Fields. It was trending in the wrong direction, and now the last two weeks it seems to be trending in the right direction. And I think we'll see how he performs the rest of the year because that the end result of that is they need to decide whether they're going to put the fifth-year option on. So that has to that decision needs to be known by week 17 of the season. Jim Miller, Sirius XM, NFL Radio, former Bears quarterback, joining us with the talk all centered around the Bears and their future. How far away are they, Jim, from getting this right? I think they're about two more drafts away. I personally do. You know, they, they don't have the defensive front. You know, last night you saw Matt Eberflus really go out of his comfort zone. He blitzed over 30% of the time when he wants his front four to get there. It's basically, uh, you know, uh, rentals they have on their defensive line. Yannick Ngakwe is basically a one-year rental. You bring in Justin Jones, who's not a dominant three technique because they want to play a Tampa two, and he's just not that guy. You know, they've... They drafted two young defensive tackles that are playing 
uh, quite a bit. Andrew Billings is basically a rental. These aren't homegrown guys who are just dominant players. So they need to build within the trenches, and I still think they need work to do on their D-line. They basically went out and bought their linebackers with uh, Tremaine Edwards and, and T.J. Edwards, and they drafted a young secondary that's all beat up right now. Eddie Jackson's not in there. Brisker's been out there playing hurt. Jalen Johnson, who they need to decide whether they're going to offer a contract. He's been out the past two weeks. So they're playing two rookies, and Tyreek Stevenson and, and Terrell Smith. So these rookies got to play, and they got to get better. But they need to get some dominators, some war daddies, in my opinion, for the type of defense that Eberflus wants to run on the defensive side of the ball. They're probably about two drafts away. So do you think within the next two drafts, this is the right coaching staff to take this team to the next level? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, Eberflus has the right message uh, for the guys. I think Luke Getze is finally, you know, last year I thought he got the offense in their lane for how they needed to play, and I think now it starts this year after, after two really good weeks so that maybe they found something that they can build upon. Clearly, by trading for uh, DJ Moore, they truly believe they got a, a number one. They whiffed on Claypool last year, but they got a true number one who was basically 80% of the Bears' offense. Uh, last night so they've got some pieces to the puzzle they just have more work to do jim yesterday we had the passing of the legendary dick butkus and for the fans who don't know what his true legacy is in chicago a a city that is built uh, in so many ways the legacy of the bears around so many great linebackers tell me about the impact the influence what dick butkus means to the city of chicago and the bears organization well, for the listeners who don't know about Dick Buckus, just go Google his name and watch his clips. There's a reason why he was named the, the most fiercest man in football uh, because, uh, you know, he's a homegrown product. You know, in a lot of ways, he's even more popular than Michael Jordan because he is one of Chicago's own. Born on the south side, played for Illinois, actually got drafted by the AFL, too, in the Denver Broncos, and he said, no, I'll take less money to play for my hometown team the Chicago Bears to represent them. Uh, probably the most respected. And I, I ran across Dick. I did, uh, you know, some of his I play clean campaign, but he truly was the first fiercest man in football. And he was a serious person. You know, I'll, I'll never forget because I was talking to Brian Erlacher about this yesterday. The first time he ran into Brian Erlacher, he came and, and he, you know, was, you know, congratulate, congratulating Erlacher uh, how well he was playing, but he, he was mad at Erlacher. Because he goes, why do you help up the defensive players after you tackle them? <laughs> like, he, he took offense to that. And Brian's like, I don't know. That's just kind of what I do. He goes, no, never help those guys up. You know, but that's, you know, that's just how he played. You know, he played the game the, the way it was meant to be played back then. You know, it probably isn't politically correct today. But he truly laid it all out on the line for his team. He loved his team. And he played on some bad teams. Never played in a, in a Super Bowl. And you think about him. He won the defensive player of the year, and they won one game. Wow. One game, and he was the defensive player of the year. That's how dominant he was as a player. Everybody knows who Dick Buckus is if you play football at all. Love it, Jim. We appreciate the perspective. Thanks so much for the time. All right. Thank you. Jim Miller, Sirius XM, NFL Radio, former Bears quarterback. Here's the, the best quote that I read in the last 24 hours from Dick Buckus. He said that when he was hitting the opposition, if they couldn't see him, 
he wanted them to know without even looking who got him. Like that, I want. He wanted to bring that much pain to how he tackled that a running back, a quarterback, whoever could know without looking. That was Butkus. He got me. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I love that. And uh, here's here's one from our good friend Stanford Steve, who you can catch on College Game Day oh, yeah. uh, tomorrow. He tweeted this out last night. I thought it was fantastic. R.I.P. Dick Buckus. If my dad had his way, I would have been named Buckus Coughlin. Mom won that one. Then his final offer was Roscoe Butkus Coughlin. He lost that one, too. Just know he thought you were the baddest dude to ever do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Love it. That is phenomenal. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Um, Hey, Joe. Yes? Who's in first place in the ESPN Radio Pick'em Challenge? Oh, let me think for a moment. That would be us. Yes. It would be us. And guess what? The first play, uh, first place, top of the heap show on this network gives you our picks in just moments after this from our friends at Indeed, who, Joe, I would once again remind you, have specifically requested that I read this for them. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. I, I can't say what Reed, I want to say. You all know that. Carlin Reed if possible. Well, it's possible. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Carlin versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Oh, a little pizza money to get everyone started. Let's begin with the update. Last night, two and two, minus half a unit. We hit on a couple big ones, but the uh, the running back situation with Brian Robinson, no good. By the way, fun fact, did you know that starting with about eight minutes to go in the second quarter, Washington dropped back 55 plays in a row to throw the ball? Oh my 55 God. plays in a row. They did not have a designed run from eight minutes in the second quarter until the end of the game. What a that debacle. was their game plan. That, that, that's not a game plan. That's desperate. Yeah, so you're not going to win running back over props that way. So two and two, down half a unit. Overall as a show, 29 wins, 22 defeats, one push, up 4.02 units. I'm going to give you a couple college football right out of the chute. Number one, we're going to lay the five with the Texas Longhorns over Oklahoma. It's been nothing but Oklahoma money. I disagree. This spread was seven and a half last year with Texas as the favorite. They blew them out. Now this year it's five. Well, people will say Oklahoma's better. All right. They're five and oh, they played nobody. Nobody. The combined winning record of the opposition, 13 and 12. Texas has gone to Alabama and won. They hammered Kansas last week. This team's way better than last year as well. They're going to cover the five. In addition, Texas Tech minus one and a half over Baylor. Big sleepy spot for Baylor here. They were down 35-7 in the third quarter last week against Central Florida. They scored 29 and answered, came all the way back to win 36-35. They probably celebrated for three days. Now they're going to take the 114th ranked run defense and try to slow down Texas Tech, who's running for about 170 yards per game. Good luck. Your first two pizza monies for this fine Friday. Texas minus five over Oklahoma. Texas Tech minus one and a half over Baylor. This is a challenge. Challenge. This is ESPN Radio's Pick'em Challenge. Got to say, I love both of those picks. Love them. Thank you. I appreciate I, I mean, that. I love them so much, I want to marry them. That's how much <laughs> I love those that, picks. Yes, that's too much. 
Yeah, it is, especially when I'm already married. It's Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Okay, let's get to the standings in the ESPN Radio Pick'em Challenge. We turn it over to Evan Wilner to fill us in as to where we stand, as if we didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to take very long to get to where you guys stand. You are in first place at 9-3. and three. Uh, Sharp. We are sharp. It's all me. It's all me. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, way back, also at nine and three is game night. Freddie and Harry at eight and four. USL, which is unsportsmanlike. You just figured that out, didn't you? When you saw five. it on the screen, USL. Is that what we're calling them now? Are they USL? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> I got a USL. No, I, it's I unsportsmanlike. It okay, uh, unsportsmanlike seven and five. Amber and Ian six and six. Greeny three and nine. Greeny, he's Greeny. Wow. That's just gotcha. right bringing right us right all right down. Right all the other the records whole, are so nice. The the opposite strategy is uh, giving him the opposite of winning. So maybe we change that up, Greeny. You know, how about have some guts, use your instincts, make a pick. That's all. <laughs> it's a, it works out both ways for him because either he goes against his instincts and he wins, or he goes against his instincts and he loses. And he could say, "Hey, my instincts are clearly very good this year." Right, right. Of course, the <laughs> greenie can't lose. Yeah, got it. <laughs> got it. All right, let's get to it. The Jaguars at the Bills in London. Bills are five and a half point favorites to nine thirty a.m. game on Sunday. Now, I have been anti Bill. I still don't think they're making the playoffs, but they're going four and one. Here's the question. Here's the question. Are they going to be within the number? I have a feeling that you want to go Jaguars here. Is that accurate? I like the Jaguars. Do you want to hear why? Yes. Okay. Couple reasons. Number one, Jacksonville played in London last week against Atlanta. They've been there all week. Body clocks are organized. They're familiar with the game. They're familiar with what comes with this. Josh Allen was talking, I believe, yesterday how much coffee he's drinking over there because his body's so messed up in terms of the time. I think that has an an effect. Number two, Buffalo just had a monster win over Miami. They put everything into that game. They knew it was the biggest game of the year. They won. They looked great. It wouldn't surprise me if this was a sleepy spot for them against the Jaguars. Maybe they win five and a half too many, in my opinion. All right. I'm on board with it because, you know, I'm high on the Jaguars still. I've been disappointed with what's transpired uh, so far this year. But I'm on board with it. I will absolutely jump on the Jaguars here. So we are Jaguars plus five and a half in London. Next. The Ravens at the Steelers. Ravens four-point favorites on the road in Pittsburgh. I, I I hate the Steelers in this spot. I really do. And I know that we've had the Mike Tomlin, let's practice in pads and see if that makes a difference to rally the troops. And Mike's been very good at it over the years. I don't think this is about pads. I think this is about the Ravens being a superior team to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The talent level is a problem for Pittsburgh, Joseph. The total in this game is 38 points, which means it's priced to be very low scoring. Those four points are very, very valuable in a low scoring game, or at least more so than they would be in a high scoring game. Like Colorado getting four against USC isn't going to matter if there's 200 points on the board, but it could matter when there's only 38 points projected total by Vegas. I lean to the dog here for a couple reasons. The underdog 
in the rivalry between John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin is 22-6-1 against the spread. That's almost 80%. These games are played very close. I think Tomlin putting his team in pads this week sends a message that it's Ravens week. I think it's going to be tight and ugly. I want the four with Pittsburgh. If you like Baltimore minus the four, we can have a little discussion here. You you convinced me on the 22-6-1. And And listen, if I'm uh, wrong, then that means the Steelers won and I win. If I'm right, that means I torture you and, you know, that's Carlin can't lose. Yeah, so the thing is, you pulled this crap last week and we went 3-0. So no more of this, you can't lose. It's you're making a good decision because your boy's red hot right now. Well, it's more, and I can't lose. <laughs> we will go with the Steelers plus four next. The Cowboys at the 49ers. Uh, listen, I'm all over San Francisco in this game. I, I think it's a chance for the 49ers to really embarrass the Cowboys in, in a big situation here. Um, I know everybody looks at this and expects it to be a close game. I do not. If the Cowboys don't ask Dak to make any plays for them, they're going to end up just regretting that and trying to run the ball against a team that they're not going to have a lot of success doing it. So please tell me why I'm wrong there. What's the point spread on this one? This is a, I'm sorry, this is 49ers minus four. All right. I would take the four with Dallas here. We're in disagreement on this one. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think the Dallas defense rises to the occasion. I think Purdy's a little overvalued coming into this game because he hasn't faced a real serious pass rush just yet. This is going to be that test. You're noticing in the market, just going to throw it out there, the fours are starting to disappear. And that ain't public money that's jumping on the Cowboys. That's sharp money. I'm not going to try to swing you. If you want to give me the Steelers, I'll give you the Niners. But my official pick here is I'm on Dallas plus the four. So we can go either way here. On this one, I'm going to have to put my foot down. Okay. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I am. Joe Fornball is nothing if not reasonable. Uh, yeah, I'll take the, the the 49ers here, minus four. So to recap, we got Jaguars plus five and a half, Steelers plus four, 49ers minus four. We'll see you at 12 and three on Monday. <laughs> this is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.